Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Black Queen's Republic. Today we're talking about a topic um, that I've kind of been scared to talk about, you know, because, you know, like literally death is one of those things. And I have Carmen here to talk about it. Carmen is a social worker. Say hi. Yes. Hi everyone, I'm Carmen. And I'm excited to talk about death and dying because I'm, I'm weird. I, yeah, you know, I, I was like, who can talk about death? And I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> Carmen, because you're you know, actually like a death doula, right? Well, that's what I was training for. So that's kind of one of the things that is currently in the works. So, yeah, I'm uh, trying to become a death doula. I already mm -hmm. did some of the training, so I just have a couple of more things to get done. And then hopefully I'll be done soon enough. So for people who don't know what a death doula is, what does a death doula do? So much like a birth doula. So a birth doula is somebody that helps you, you know, in terms of birthing and bringing people into the world. Uh, a death doula helps, uh, like, somebody die well. Um, mm. So die comfortably, um, die in a space that makes the most sense for them, um, die in a way where they are most at peace. Um, and then other things that they might want to do beforehand that might help them when it comes to their passing so that they're not super stressed. Mm. So um, that's basically in a nutshell what a death doula does. Oh, okay. And before we get into that, you know we have to talk about the foolishness that's been happening <laughs> yeah. this week. Oh, God. Yeah, <sighs> where do you want to start? Because it's, it's been, a, it's been <sighs> first of all, it's been a rough 400 years, but it's been a rough... Uh, a couple weeks, three weeks now, it's just not stopping, so. Yeah, um, you know, every, for every movement that happens and for every revolution, there's always a dumbass or a couple of dumbasses um, yeah. to go with it. And so, first up is Terry Crews. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Crews is up. Um, he tweeted, defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is the truth. Like it or not, we're all in this together. <sighs> okay. I, so I just, like, I see where he was going. However... <laughs> What, sir? He didn't fully make it. Do you know what I he mean? Did, yeah. He I just... Why is Terry Crews determined to be an idiot? <laughs> he just ain't shit. Like... And when did this... Like, I used to be such a big fan. Me too. Me too. Then the Gabrielle Union stuff happened. Oh now my this god. Is and I then... What the fuck is this tweet? Like, is this the time? And what the... So black supremacy is not even a thing. No. You should have seen... Okay, when I first saw the tweet, um, <sighs> somebody had responded, and I don't know who it was. It was They were verified, but I, I didn't know who they were. And they put, and they put something like, could you just not say anything? And I, I thought that that was the perfect response, because I was like, nobody asked you, though. Literally. Nobody asked you. Oh, it was so bad. It was, so... and then I saw somebody else. Like when I went back, it was um somebody else that I follow who used to work at BuzzFeed, and they put, "Consider deleting, please." <laughs> so... Like I just, 
And he kept talking. He literally, he was on um, Seth Meyers this week. Um, And I couldn't even get through the interview. I'm tired of black people and this kumbaya bullshit. Y'all really think like the fact that you're protesting should show you that white people are not willing to give this without a fight. They never have been willing. Like you didn't come out of slavery by singing hallelujah, praise the Lord. Like you had to fight through it. Exactly. No, I agree. I think, I don't know if it's, it's something where like they feel more comfortable saying things that maintain the status quo because i get that he was trying to say like you know he said you know we could work together but that's not how it came out and that also i don't necessarily know now that that was what it meant because when people were arguing with him about it he just like kept digging the hole deeper like he could have said oh it was a misunderstanding yeah all work together to fight white or yeah white supremacy yeah but he didn't and also i i could okay so for me when i read it i thought he meant the fight cannot just be for black people and he could have just said that okay but to say it creates black supremacy what the hell is black supremacy nothing that's not a thing like terry cruz why are you determined to be a dumbass he just is. He doesn't see it that way. He just sees it as like, oh, you know. Like is he trying to keep his like... job at America's Got Talent or something? Yeah, I think he's just, you know, he's in the sunken place. He's this in is... the sunken. Somebody get him out. Somebody get him out. Oh, I am sick of being disappointed by black men. <laughs> I'm tired. I would love to just not be. You know what? And thank you for sending me John Boyega things because... Now I can I can you. think of a black man to not be pissed off with like <laughs> I just and I started oh, following I um Kendrick from Insecure. Oh, he's great. Really he's amazing. Yeah. I had no idea he was like this activist. Um, I've never seen like a light skinned guy with colored eyes just being woke. So, really? No. I feel like all the light-skinned guys I know are woke. No, I I don't. Where did you meet them? I don't know any. I like think school. Well, okay. So there's this joke that my friend Catherine has um, because she is also black and she makes jokes about how light-skinned guys either go the like Stacy Dash route or, exactly. or they go the Malcolm X route because he was also like pretty light. So mm-hmm. she's like, they either go one extreme or the other. So mm-hmm. so I've met the other extreme where it's like, <laughs> well, actually, you can't call me black. I'm biracial. Thank you very oh, much. Um, and it's like, okay, like, but you can't use that as an argument to distance yourself from black issues. Because no. guess whose name we're going to be shouting at the protest, bitch? The, like, and there's no such thing as no color. Like, that is the most annoying statement of all time. I can't stand people who say that shit. You know, in my training that I was doing for it, because I was training social workers, that was mm-hmm. one of the things I would say. And I would be like, listen up. When people say that they don't see color, I'm, I understand that uh, you're trying to say that you don't treat people differently because of the color of their skin. And I was like, but when you say you don't see color, 
um, one, that's a bold-faced lie, yeah. and two, that's not helpful. It's, and you're would dismissing just kind of look at me like I people. Yeah. They're bananas. I just don't get it. But yeah, I mean, it's good that even though Terry Crews continues on his foolish, foolish path, the rest, you know, some people are kind of, like, getting their shit together. I, I need Terry Crews to stop tweeting. Um, I just, I need him to go away. I, I, you know, and the thing that hurts me the most is that when he was going through this whole, like, sexual assault, sexual Uh harassment thing with, with, with that white man, it was black people, black women, actually, that were behind him a hundred percent. All the black men were like, you're a pussy, you're trash, you're and then he threw Gabriel Union, who was the one person who actually showed him support and threw her under the bus. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. And then also, do you remember when he tweeted, if I was, I don't blame black men because if I was in their shoes, I would have done the same thing to me. And I was like, what? yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Basically, no. I don't blame black men for being, for disrespecting me. Because if, if it didn't happen to me, I would do the same thing. Like, Terry, have you lost your actual mind? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. 100%. I mean, I just, if I, I was his wife, he... I would divorce him. I'm sorry. Yeah, but she's like, have you no- noticed that she's also, like, I don't know what she must think. I have no idea. I've never heard her speak. Yeah, I feel like she did an interview with him. Like, they did an interview together. Yeah. But I also don't know what her politics are because she's also, like, light-skinned. God damn. Mm-mm. You never know. Not that that really... To be honest, Terry Crews is proof that it doesn't matter what shade your skin is. Some men are just going to be trash and sell out their people, so... Man, I just, I just need, you know, I really want to support y'all, like, black men, please, Abed, do better, please, that's all we're asking, like, you don't have to be a dumbass, okay, that's it, anyways, moving on to, um, I don't know if you've heard of Stassi Shredar, and Kristen Doubt were fired from Vander Pump Rules. Oh, I did hear about that, but let me tell you something. I don't, I will never turn down, well, almost never mm-hmm. turn down a reality show that's just like stupid at this, like drama. You know, mm. like, I will watch The Bachelor, but I will watch 90 Day Fiance. You know mm. what I mean? Yes, I will but watch I won't 90 Day watch Fiance. Vanderpump Rules. I won't watch Vanderpump Rules. I tried and I, I, my brain. What is this I, show about? Is it just, it sounds like it's a bunch of white like girls these, who are rich. Yeah, it's just these, like, it's not even just white girls. It's like these, it's a rich white family and, like, they're friends. So it's like The Hills. Okay. Do you remember The Hills or, like, Laguna Beach? I hated Laguna Beach, but I loved um The Hills. Loved it. So funny. So I think it's, like, more of, like, The Hills vibe. <clears throat> Because I watched very little of it. And I don't know if it's changed in the last few years. But when I saw that they got kicked off and then I heard what they did. When so I tell d- you want to throw my computer. <laughs> so they one. joked about, these two white girls joked about calling the police on a black girl. Who was also on the show, I believe, for fun. Knowing but they did. Didn't they, they said that they did call, a black, call the police on her as a prank for, or yeah, something. Yeah. 
And this First happened all, in 2018. So this is two time. years ago. So, like, it took them a long time. First of all, then the, the show probably, maybe their salaries got too high. You know, I think yes. something coincided. Because if they really cared, they would have fired them in 2018, not yeah. two years later. No, I think when they, this is the thing, a lot of celebrities are, a lot of white celebrities are coming out and saying, yes, Black Lives Matter. And then people are like, what's like, you don't remember what you did? So this bitch goes on this, uh, what's her name? Stacy. I don't know how, it's spelled really weird. Stacy or Stacy. Just call her Stacy because, you know, these rich people like to be extra. Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, she goes, I'm, I'm horrified by my racism that happened in my past. That's not who I am anymore. And then I go and look at the thing, and it happened in 2018. Why do celebrities do that? Like, why are they always like, yeah, this is something that like, I was racist in my past. Ma'am, <laughs> I was 27 in 2018. Like, come on. And she was 30 in 2018. Yeah. Like, 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 she wasn't like a little, like, she wasn't a teenager. She no. was a little girl. She's a grown-ass woman. You're still, like... I just want people to be racist with their chest. That's what I'm asking for 2020. Thank you. Well, yeah, and some people, like, some people will double down. I need you to and just like, double down and be, like, Lana Del Rey. Just be racist yeah, with your goes. chest. Oh, I loved her music. Okay? Did you actually? I love a good, depressing, slightly crazy woman. Yes. So if you give me, like, uh, what's her name? Uh, Janae Aiko? Mm. Queen. You know, she sounds like she could probably burn down your house if you, like, fucked with her, but also she sounds real depressed. Mm -hmm. It's like a vibe that I live for. So, mm. Lana Del Rey is kind of like the less talented white version of that. Mm. And I used to listen to her and I was like, this is just my vibe. Like, she's just depressed and, like, damaged all the time. Mm -hmm. But I did my best to not learn anything about her. I didn't want to know her real name. I didn't want to know her history. I never looked her up. I literally was just the music and nothing else because I knew. Yeah. I knew that whatever I would find would, de would be so disappointing. And I was like, you were so loud. Yeah. That I had to find out. Yeah. Even though I never seek you. I don't look for you. I don't look you up. I don't do anything. <clears throat> I haven't taken any of her new albums. I was just like, you did this bad that I actually found out what you did. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it is, um, I am tired of celebrities, like, going backwards and saying, well, I wasn't that. Just, just say, like, you're <laughs> sorry that people found the tweet, but you're going to stand up in your racism. That's it. And keep it moving. Um, I don't care that she was fired. It doesn't do anything. These are rich people. It doesn't affect them. They're rich whites on top of that. It doesn't do anything. So, Lana Del Rey. So I had no idea who she was until I think last year when she, she, um, she, her and what's her name? Azealia Banks, who I can't stand. Oh, they got into that fight and they, she was like, come at me. Yeah, she was like, this is, you know, the Addy. And I was like, oh shit, a white girl is reading Azealia, okay. So I was like, I like this white girl. And then I, of course, when I like people, I like to research. And then I found out that Lana Del Rey was saying... So she had an, a millionaire father, I think. She grew up with... She grew up in a rich home. 
Her name is Elizabeth Grant. Elizabeth something Grant. That's crazy. Does, that's like the oldest, most like rich person sounding name ever. <laughs> So her dad is literally like this millionaire, but then she got in trouble for saying that she was poor. Um, that yeah. was, I think, the first controversy that I read about her, that she was saying she was poor. And she's like, I can't believe you people don't believe me. I actually lived in poverty, whether you believe it or not. I'm like, how? You grew up in Manhattan. Sis. Well, you know. I could, I... I your dad is a millionaire. I can yes, and but poverty for these some of these fucking dumbasses relative. Because I don't know if you remember that good old jingle uh, by Drake about started from the bottom, and that man is in a full ass <sighs> shopper's drug mart uniform. And I was like, I don't know which job you think is the bottom, but it's definitely not a shopper's drug mart job. Also, and somebody who worked at a knockoff Chuck E. Cheese. Absolutely not. Sir. Also, Drake grew up. His mother was rich, so I don't... Yeah, they have money. I don't understand. I'm tired. Had... Like, guys, poverty is not fun. Let me tell you right now. I live <laughs> under the poverty line, um, according to Canada, CRA. It's not <laughs> no, fun. No, like, okay? no, and these people just, like, sit around, like, acting like it's this badge of honor for them. And I just, it's, like, you didn't earn this. It's ridiculous. Can I, I just want like them to give me their bank account and then they can live, I can give them my bank account and they can see how yeah, to make life work. Exactly. Like exactly. this is ridiculous. No, I, um, I mean, I had to find out last week or whenever, maybe the week, whenever this happened, like two weeks ago. Because mm -hmm. um, I, again, I knew nothing about Lana because I knew just, I looked at her and I was like, yeah, the less I know, the better. The mm. less I know, the happier I am. Mm. And I found out that she also married a cop. Oh. <laughs> like, and I'm out. I'm out. It's too much. Yeah, I know. Oh my it's awful. Goodness. I was like, well, I guess this, this is over. We are done. Uh, we are no longer friends, Lana. Yikes. So. No, I'm, I'm thankful that I've never listened to a Lana Del Rey song. I've heard, like, maybe like two minutes of it on a podcast where they were like literally ring like lighting her ass up and they're like this suicide dumbass music <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't compare to beyonce like the fact that you had to the fact that you had to even like feel the need to come for these you know you you literally came for 20 black and then she came for 20 black women but she started the sentence by saying question for the culture and now she's like oh why did you make it about race ma'am you said question for the culture she's a dumbass she's a she's a real dumbass like for real for real dumbass and then when so. people are telling you like you're wrong for this this was unnecessary you double down to and then she's like and she said this is my final um final whatever comment on this and then she did three other videos after that how is it your final? No. I know. She just doesn't know when to shut up, to be honest. I need these people to go and be rich by themselves. Um, I want to talk about, uh, what's his name? Jimmy Fallon. So Jimmy Fallon got in trouble for... For blackface. Blackface. Um, first of all, <laughs> when I saw the video, I was horrified. Because oh, no. I couldn't even recognize Jimmy Fallon. Like, it was 20 years ago. 
It really was 20 years ago? Yeah, That's it was like it. in the year 2002 or 2003. It was a really, really long, 17 years, I think, actually. Um, it was mm. a long time ago, but oh my it was like blackface, blackface, like, like okay. darker than Google my it. skin I'm color. Googling, I'm Googling it while you, you tell me about it. So he, he said something about Black Lives Matter. And of course, people were like, Scott, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they went and they dug up um, blackface. And it was oh like, my this, God. I know he looks darker than me. Not what I was expecting. Yeah. At all. At all. Yeah. What is this? What the hell is that? Jimmy, oh. is he wearing a prosthetic nose? It it is. It it was so much. Like, Jimmy, what were you thinking? Like, I oh am just. I just was like, Jimmy, why? Like, what? And trust me, I'm a. I well. He apologized profusely. So I will say I'm still a fan of Jimmy Fallon. Um, That's fine. You, listen, you do you. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> but I was, do you know, like, I jumped. Even my breast came out of, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what is that? What is going on? Like, he, who approved that? Who told them that that was okay? Like, this is too much. Like, mm -hmm. Jimmy, what? And his apology sounded genuine to me. Um, but I think people are valid to be angry. Of course, a black man disappointed us and Mr. Jamie Foxx um, and said, he he's like, hey, blacks, um, this is not the time. This is not that serious. Let it go. Excuse it me? was, yeah, he literally said like, can we just let this go? Um, can we? We have better things. We have bigger fish, fish to fry. This well, is. What was he talking? What bigger fish do you have to fry? People are dying. So he was saying like we need to let the Jimmy Fallon thing go. We have bigger oh, fish. Jimmy fish. Oh. And I was like, but like you can't tell people not to be mad, just because you're friends with Jimmy Fallon. Absolutely not. Like that's Absolutely so stupid. Not. Like. I was like, Jamie Foxx, shut the fuck up. Like, I know I've been seeing you, like, standing up and things, but just stick to that. Don't tell people how they need to be feeling. People, no, blackface is, is, was used to, like, murder black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why, why do people act like this doesn't have a history behind it? I had because to cuss a white guy out for saying, well, well, Whoopi Goldberg did white face and oh my God. First of all, she got dragged for that. Secondly, it's not the same thing. There's no such thing as white face. No, there were no white people reverse minstrel shows. There. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, that doesn't make sense at all whatsoever. I that just, is unreal. I'm, I'm shocked that even in 2004, that is inappropriate. It is. I can't um, believe it. Yeah. I they like they, it's too much. It's too much. But I'm. We're gonna move on. The last <laughs> thing is I want to get your thoughts. This is Megan uh -oh. McCain. <clears throat> Megan McCain, uh -oh. guys, is that dumbass blonde on the View. <sighs> My neighborhood in Manhattan is 
invascarated and looks like a war zone. De Blasio and Cuomo are utter, are an utter disgrace. This is not America. Our leaders have abandoned us and continue to let great American cities burn to the ground and ha and be destroyed. I never could have fathomed this. Um, she never could have fathomed this. Keep, keep in mind that she's lying. That's oh, is this the one where the the woman that lived in the same building was like? We Maybe, live in the same building. It, it, I, it's fine outside. Yeah. So, so Kristen Barlett from SNL said, Megan, we live in the same building, and I just walked outside. It's fine. <laughs> and... Fucking clown. That's hilarious. I... Okay. First of all, I didn't see any protests in Manhattan. No. Definitely not Manhattan. They would, like, they would let a protest get that far. Yeah. In a rich man. rich people. Are you kidding? No, no, no. But Megan has the nerve, and of course she was um, she was dragged by her pussy hair, Good. and her response is, "I'm six months pregnant. A gossip organization is about to run a story of where me and my family are currently." I sent a tweet yesterday based on the news I saw happening in Midtown. We're all, we've all been watching all of the different media platforms. I support peaceful protests, their movement, but I'm absolutely heart, heartbroken by the destruction in the city. I have loved since I moved here at the age of 18. And more of like white tears that she talked about. Of course. <sighs> Always white tears. I mean... I who cares if you're six months pregnant? Who gives a shit? I don't understand how that's relevant to the conversation. She like, knew. How was that relevant to the conversation of the fact that you were fully like lying? lying. Megan like, McCain has always pissed me off. She first of all, she can't get through a conversation without talking about her dad. Honestly, well, that's her claim to fame, right? It's like the <sighs> one thing. Like, what did you do? I, I have a, I have a po politician dad who died recently. Like, what? What else? What else? Aside from the Kardashians, I hate this woman like she is the epitome of white privilege she thinks she can literally come and urinate in people's mouth because she's a white woman yeah i hate yeah. like even on the view she's always doing this like oh it's just like everyone and like oh my god and and I, i'm republican and how comes everybody hates me because you support laws that oppress and kill people exactly exactly like That's what i mean i i just what do you think like what are your thoughts on this stupid I think, tweet i think that i can't stand people who are who say things like i'm only for peaceful protesting because there's no such thing times those are people with the privilege of not living in a violent, like destructive situation and being, you know, hurt all the time. And so when she says things like, oh, you know, I never thought like our neighborhoods are being destroyed. And I'm like, there's neighborhoods that have been fully bombed in your country by your own like FBI. Mm -hmm. And I don't see you complaining. And uh, if this doesn't make sense to you, then you are clearly missing most other people's histories because mm -hmm. other people have been like 
taken out of their fucking buildings by force. And there's been bombings of places where there was movement work happening that was very, very legal. And they didn't give a shit. They were like, they're black and they're activists, so we're going to bomb them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just don't... Megan's father... Didn't her dad support the bill that 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 made it impossible for black people to get health care yeah he did a bunch of stuff he did a bunch of um like race related um so i don't want to hear it megan shut the fuck oh yeah no he was a huge racist and then when he died so many people were talking about how like oh he was a great guy and i'm like really yeah because he ate popcorn with obama you know he's great like no 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 absolutely not and isn't it isn't it interesting that like you know as people of color we tend to forget um and i and i'm guilty of this as well um you know with george bush do you remember i don't know i feel like you and i were still pretty young but i remember bush making up every excuse in life (laughs) of why he went to um was it iraq and started a war for no reason Oh, yeah, the illegal war he started for oil. Yes. I do remember that. And murdered Saddam Hussein for no reason as well. Mm-hmm. And claimed he, nasty, was, so. he was tied to Al-Qaeda, you know. And I was disappointed that Condoleezza Rice even supported that, being as she's a black woman. But then I found out Condoleezza Rice is a Republican, so, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I have a friend who does a lot of, like, really like pretty you know serious activism and his response is always like i will always he's black and he says you know i'll always be for my people but i will look at their politics before i look at their the color of their skin because you could be ever color and still be a complete sellout piece of shit yeah and so if we just blindly follow people who look like us that's how you end up with a fucking condoleezza rice situation yeah and a candace owens and a stage c dash um now with, I think it's amazing how as black people and people of color, we we see the relationship with with Bush and Oprah and Bush and Michelle Obama and Barack Obama. And we are like, yeah. OK, well, forgetting that this is the same man who who didn't who didn't do anything when people in New Orleans were dying because they're predominantly black. Uh, when Katrina yeah. hit, it was actually celebrities yeah. that did a lot of it and then also of course starting a war that led to the murder of so many iraqis um Mm -hmm. children women men you know and and it's like where do we get to the point where we we're like oh look he's sharing gum with michelle obama Obama. that's so cute and we forget all that super rich so you have to take into account class and like class is oftentimes like a very important piece of it because people will sell out if it comes to making money so Mm -hmm. all that nonsense that happens and so the obamas are definitely not um yeah they're not my favorite even though they're very charming and i love watching them and i know that they seem very charming i know their politics are shit and obama did horrible things in his time in power so they ain't shit in in libya um lots of muslims died at his at his orders Mm -hmm. so i think yeah i think you're right that we have to be tactical when we're supporting people 
just because they don't support people just because they're black because you end up you know like killer mike who is now i know people are loving him for doing the george floyd um Mm -hmm. sort of campaign but he also supports the nra so let's be strategic (laughs) you know i'm all for wanting i'm all for wanting people of color but specifically black people having black people armed i'm all for it i 100 percent am all for it but what does the for, nra stand for that yeah no we don't need to do that with the nra we absolutely there are other methods sir yeah we need to be the nra I, I was, you know, and that's the thing. We forget so, we're like, oh, killer Mike, my God, Jesus, oh, Lord. <laughs> we also forget that T.I. was the same person who said Hillary Clinton can't be president because she gets her period. Um, you know, like, eh, yeah. like, really? Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> but let's... <laughs> forget we are just we live in a disposable world where we like we'll throw someone in the trash and then they'll come back a little bit Mm rebranded with like new fervor and everybody will be saying how amazing they are and then we'll throw them out again and then the cycle continues it's it's ridiculous and i'm not i'm not telling anyone to go hate on these people you know do you do what you gotta do but all i'm saying is is let's be let's be um let's be sensible you know when we're we're singing praises because just because i i turn to the front it doesn't mean i'm not the same person when i'm exactly my back is faced towards you but let's move on you know that was this week's foolishness that i wanted to (laughs) touch on it wasn't too heavy like last week i was boiling hot because amy cooper happened and and george floyd happened and amund and Brianna Taylor and Regis and I was just my brain was about to blow so yeah know, a lot so of people bad. were like oh Jane you you're you're pissed in this episode I'm like yes yes I no am no shit no fucking shit yes I am. <laughs> I am um so let's get back to talking about death um yes ma'am how did you come to be interested in in addressing this issue like what inspired it Right. So, um, so for myself, um, I have to identify, like, I'm not black. I am a light-skinned brown chick, or um, as I like to say, this is a term that I have stolen uh, slash borrowed from the love of my life, Idil Abdullahi, and she mm. calls us um, the off-whites slash the white adjacents. Yes. Um, she uses them inter- interchangeably. So, um, I am one of the off-whites. So, in some spaces, some people might think I'm Portuguese and or Italian and in other spaces they definitely definitely don't think I'm any kind of white so mm. just depends where my ass is at but um I am Mexican mm-hmm. and I wasn't born in Canada I was I was not born here I was born you know in Mexico mm-hmm. um and so for me why death is important and, and an important topic and how I came to it was because, I mean, first and foremost, being Mexican, and this is something I realize the older I get, we have a very different relationship with death. Mm-hmm. Um, death for us is just normal. Like you talk about dying and you talk about topics that are really difficult to talk about, but you do it with humor. You do it lightly. You make jokes. You grow up hearing about things like ghosts and, you know, like 
all these weird, creepy things that happen. And, and so for us, when we talk about things like ghosts and somebody tells you the story about, oh, I saw my mom and like, yeah, she died 10 years ago, but she came to say hi, you know, she was in the kitchen. And for more, like, I think normally speaking in Canada, people would think you're schizophrenic, but mm-hmm. um, for a lot of people in Mexico, it's just like, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like people, dead people, they come, they visit you. You just, you know, make sure that they're not bad people and whatever the case may be. So I grew Mm. up in that kind of an environment. Um, I didn't realize it was different until I was much older. Mm. Um, So when I was 20, between the ages of 20 and 22, I was in a relationship with someone Mm -hmm. um, and he was lovely and kind and great. And uh, unfortunately he had really bad mental health stuff that happened Mm -hmm. Um, and he had a lot of stuff going on and he committed suicide um, Mm. while we were together. So Mm -hmm. that was really hard for me because um it was just so difficult as somebody that's that young um to kind of lose a partner who you I literally thought I was going to be with them for the rest of my life like Mm -hmm. I didn't even consider anything else Mm -hmm. and uh for that to happen so suddenly um because we like we didn't expect it we knew he wasn't doing well and he had been to all this therapy and we didn't know and essentially what ended up happening was, you know, I noticed that there were things that people would say to me that just seemed odd mm-hmm. and strange, you know, because, you know, when I started noticing all these weird patterns that happen with death and dying, where because I was young, people would say things like, don't worry, you'll meet someone new, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I don't need to mm-hmm. hear that. Not when yeah. I'm like, I don't need to hear this shit. And so you know, I think some time had passed and, and maybe only six months after he died, I got a job working in, in a mental health agency mm-hmm. um, that was for people of color by people of color. So mm-hmm. here I was thinking that they would understand me mm-hmm. and that they would get my history. And I was very, very honest about it because mm-hmm. in retrospect, I wouldn't have been. Because right. now I look back and I'm like, I think I was oversharing because I didn't want them to find out and then like think differently of me and uh, so I was very open and honest I even brought it up during the the interview that I did because I just wanted to be very clear that I had a very specific history with understanding mental health um and like what can happen to people Mm -hmm. and essentially they treated me like shit there was one particular boss who obviously was a woman of color Mm -hmm. who I've never met somebody so sadistic in my life honestly and truly I I think she was like a real life I didn't even know they really existed sociopath and she just wanted to get she didn't like me she wanted to get rid of me she said that I was afraid of her because she was black and I was like I've literally not spoken to you because you just started working at this agency you never leave your office mm-hmm. and I never see you mm-hmm. so and how am I supposed to speak to you yeah like how am I like what what do you mean and so but anyway, she like had it out for me and a few other people, and I found that it was younger people, and it also didn't matter their race. Mm-hmm. Like she just did. There were people she just did not want in this space, and um, I had a couple instances where she was just looking for reasons to fire me. So she, I kept getting disciplinary letters, and effectively, what happened was um, I told them that I was having a really hard time with all the stress um, that work was causing me. Um, but then also I was like, look, like I'm still grieving the loss of my partner and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing everything I can, but I'm working with people who are suicidal all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't just an, okay, my job is over. I'm going home. It's five o'clock. This is something that I'm living with currently, Right. you know, the consequences of not like somebody not being supported. I know the consequences in a very real level. 
And instead of supporting me, they told me that I was unfit to do case management. Oh my God. Yeah, and that I needed, I should probably look for a new job. Now, moral of the story is, spite sometimes can be very helpful because once they did that, I lost my whole ass mind um, and I basically stayed out of spite. She ended up getting fired mm-hmm. about a year later. Wow. Um, my ass stayed at that agency an extra two years more than she did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never got fired and I ended up being like doing really well at the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of when I realized that in Western cultures, like in Europe, in Canada, in the U.S., people find ways to weaponize grief against yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. And they find a way to make you seem abnormal because you don't grieve the way they do. And I must say, I always, like, I've been doing so much research on grief because I've done the death doula training when I went to do my master's degree. My research was around grief, mm-hmm. uh, grief and bereavement leave policies and what mm-hmm. grief and bereavement policies look like and why they fucking suck and why they specifically suck for racialized people Mm -hmm. um, and why they're steeped in white supremacy and why they absolutely do not support us and do not make sense for people of color when it comes to death and dying. Um, And that was like the bulk of my research. And so I'm still kind of doing that type of research work with a professor of mine, um, Jennifer Poole, because she's looking into things uh, around white supremacy and grief as well. So I continue to do the work. I just don't ever, I don't ever want to be in a situation where myself or the people that I care about aren't allowed to grieve mm-hmm. in whatever way is normal for them to grieve and then be treated as if, you know, you have a mental illness, there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're not capable of doing things. You obviously can't get over things. Like if you can't move on, there's something wrong, you're unhealthy. And that's just not how grief works. No. And I don't think people get it. And I don't think people understand death and dying in that way. I think in this country, we're taught to not talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's extremely detrimental to people, especially when you're an immigrant in this country. Yes. It's so dangerous to not talk about death mm-hmm. and not talk about grief. A hundred percent. So it is like my, my number one passion is to get people more comfortable to have these, these types of conversations. First of all, I'm sorry to hear about your partner. Yeah. Um, that's horrible. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting because you said, you know, in your culture, in Mexican culture, you talk about death. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's assumed, a lot of people assume that not anyone who is non-white, it's a, it's a difficult conversation to have, but actually they are, they are families. Like, I think for me, it was the exact opposite. Like, my mom for example was in the hospital um i think we she finally had to be hospitalized in in i think for like three months she was in a coma for three months and well like eight eight nine weeks around there and Mm -hmm. the doctor was like honestly I don't know like you know honestly we, we, we don't know yeah. if she's gonna if she's gonna make it and I'm like well what do you Helpful. mean you know <laughs> what do you mean like what does, <laughs> what do you mean like you like are you, are you like is she dying is she and he's right. like well I don't know but it's not looking good so that was uh-huh. around that was like around mid-march right. of that year and then because I was the only caregiver I'm 24 years old Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. 
because I've obviously never been in this situation before. My mom, because, you know, African culture, she never told me anything, you know, she, um, she, she, we, we never talked about death. We never talked about these things. I, I think the only conversation I had with my mom was like when I was 20 and she was like, she's, it was, it was like a, a five second. I was like, we were talking about where, where would we, we, where we would want to be buried. And I was like, well, I don't know. Why would you bother taking me back to Uganda? You guys live here. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. And then that conversation was done. That's the only time I ever remember talking about death with my mom. Anyway, come April, they say, okay, well, yes, your mom woke up from a coma and she's talking and she's doing well, but her brain isn't. Her brain is actually deteriorating. Oh, no. Yeah. And, you know, and she looked, she was fine. She was talking. She was eating. She was, so I thought she was good. Mm -hmm. And then I get this news, um, mid-April and they're like, yeah, she seems fine on the outside, but actually her brain is like most of her brain has been affected. And unfortunately it keeps chipping away and eventually it's going to shut down. And then they go, okay, so do you want to, if, if it does reach a point, do you want to resuscitate and so i ask okay what does resuscitate mean and they're like oh we'll we'll put a tube inside and then we'll i was like okay no no yeah um that's that's um i didn't say no right away but i was like that sounds horrible for me to do give me a minute and it was really tough and i remember when i went to talk to my aunt i was like the doctors have said that they're done like they, right. there's nothing more they can do. She's right. dying. And my aunt was like, ah, ah, please. They're not God. I mean, <laughs> no, like, <laughs> no, no, no. Listen to me. This is what the, 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 they are yeah. not God. In fact, remove your mother from that hospital. I'm like, that's illegal. <laughs> that's not allowed. I can't right. just move someone out of the hospital. I will get arrested. First of all. Uh-huh. And also, what am I supposed to do? So the doctor said, if Jane, if I was you, I would prepare a funeral service and this and this and that. But I couldn't bring myself to do that because she was still alive, which came back and actually beat me in the ass because I didn't prepare before. Yeah. But I couldn't bring myself to like plan a death for somebody that I was looking at. Mm-hmm. every day and my mom would like she had lost most most of her memory right. so but like the one thing she always asked was is everything going to be fine when are we going home and i'm uh, like and then i would lie and i'd be like oh we're almost almost there trust me just right. just just right. just sit tight and now you know and then of course i lied and she did die <laughs> and then oh yeah that's fair um but then I never actually, the day that I was, the week that I said, when the doctor finally came and said, okay, Jane, seriously, she has days left. So mm-hmm. you need to, you need to do something like you need to plan. She uh-huh. literally, I, I she's not even going to make it 14 days. Uh-huh. 
So then I was like, okay, fine. So I called a funeral home and I made an appointment for the day that she actually died. The oh Tuesday. God. Yeah. The day uh, that I was like, I'll meet you on July 4th at 10 a.m. Uh -huh. I made the appointment. That's my mom died she... midnight that day. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Yeah, my partner died July 5th. What an odd. Yeah. What an odd blanky dink. And so. I guess like, why do you think it's so difficult for, you know, a lot of like families of color mm -hmm. to, because it would have saved me, first of all, money for oh, her funeral. But like, why do you think it's so difficult for us to, to talk about death? Right. Um, that's a great question. I think, I mean, and again, like my culture and my community for the most part, like we talk about death and dying in the sense that like the dying is talked about, mm -hmm. but as somebody whose grandmother was just diagnosed with dementia, mm -hmm. which is fine. She's parent. Now she's mm -hmm. nice all of a sudden. Who knew? Usually they get mean, but yeah. she's not real nice. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. that yeah. They, they usually get like really rude and, and yeah. Yeah. No, she got real nice. So you can just imagine how mean she was before. Yes. So it's like the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, like we talk about death and dying, but we don't talk about the business of death and dying. Mm. Like one, it feels like, 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 it feels like. I think some people feel like if you start talking about funeral homes and stuff like that, it's like you're bringing death. Yes, you. definitely. You want you are calling that into your you're, you're like speaking it into existence. Exactly. So people get really freaked out about that. Mm -hmm. And I think we just live in like we all live in situations where death is like the last thing and people don't want to talk about it. So even like yes, Mexicans for the most part we talk about it, but I also think that we talk about it in a very abstract kind of like we're all going to die and it's okay. Mm -hmm. What we don't do is fucking prepare funeral services until we are, you know, the person dead. Has died. and then our family has to prepare a funeral for us, yeah. which is kind of what happened with you. Yeah. Um it was a hot mess. It was, you know, and I kind of, of course, I can't take it back. And, and there is a part of me right. that feels, you know, a lot of guilt mm -hmm. for not because it cleaned. Like when I tell you that her funeral cleaned me out, like clean, clean, I had to like Girl, re I know. rebuild my life from zero dollars. Yeah. Because but of, that's because of they're the so funeral. expensive. Yeah. But that's why as immigrants, especially in Canada, we have to talk about this because mm -hmm. you know, I I've I've had the, the like privilege of running this you went to one of them, but like the death talks that mm -hmm. I've done. Mm -hmm. Um and I had the privilege once and there were a bunch of newcomers who came mm -hmm. who I was telling them I was like, So the reason it's important because you know, they wanted to talk about honoring their loved ones. But mm -hmm. I talk about it from a very practical sense when I talk about it I talk about what you need to prepare for the fact that we should all as individuals I don't care how old you are have a plan in place to mm -hmm. leave for your family that at least gives them guidance on what they what you want mm -hmm. if there's something specific that you want or if you know that your family is going to freak out and spend an arm and a leg on things where you're just like guys I'm dead I don't need all this nonsense just mm -hmm. keep it small. and I actually haven't even like I have a will yeah but, but it's really about like having that plan in place so you can leave it for them so then they just mm -hmm. literally have to follow your instructions makes it easier but not only that 
a lot of newcomers don't realize how expensive funerals are in Canada. They're so like, expensive. Cremation, cremation alone, cremation alone without an urn is like, like $1,300 or something. Yeah. Like I know my partner, we rented a coffin because he was going to be cremated. So we didn't need to buy one. Mm-hmm. So you can just like, so for the wake, you can just like rent the coffin mm-hmm. and like did a service and he was cremated mm-hmm. and he didn't even get an urn. I literally have, a, this is going to sound ridiculous. I have his ashes, some of his ashes in a black baggie, like in a black velvet baggie on my bookshelf. Oh my God. Like literally. And his, it, when I tell you that his mom had to pay something like it was less than $10,000, but it was like six or $7,000. Oh, like imagine that. Exactly. So, what happens in Canada when people who are poor die? Oh God, that's a great question. So I know for a fact, if you are, let's say you have $10 left in your, to your name and you're alone in this country, uh-huh. the government, like, let's say you are living with a roommate, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, whoever, you and Maluba or someone mm-hmm. <laughs> like, are living together. Mm-hmm. And you two aren't like blood relatives, and you have ten dollars to your name, and you didn't put nowhere that Maluba could keep your money. And by the way, she could keep living in this apartment, mm-hmm. even though you have the lease. Can I tell you that when you die, the government gets your shit? I'm sorry. The government keeps your shit. The government keeps like whatever money. Let's say like I, we had a client who's who's his name was on the lease for an apartment. Him and his friend were living together. They were sharing an apartment. Mm-hmm. He died, and he had like a thousand dollars in his bank account or something. Mm-hmm. And like, needless to say, that money probably would have been used for something like rent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, no, the government cleaned out his bank account, and they put it. It's basically like the if there's no family to take the money, mm-hmm. the government takes the money to pay for like a funeral or to pay for services, but really what that means is they just dispose of the body. Oh my God. Well, that's what happens. But if you're poor and you don't have any money mm -hmm. and you have family, Mm -hmm. basically your family is going to end up in debt. There is a bit of a, there's that grant or the whatever that you can get. I think it's Mm -hmm. $2,500, which as you know, in funeral, you know, business, it doesn't cover much of anything. So if you want to have a service, if you want to not do cremation, God forbid, you know that, like, God forbid somebody's grandmother dies and they want to go home. Oh, hell Like, they want their body. Bye, there goes all your money. That's like 10 grand. That's 10 grand. And it is, it is illegal to carry ashes. Like, if you wanted to take an urn in your suitcase, mm. it's illegal. Are you kidding? First of all, no. okay. So... So what about if you're if you're homeless? Like if a homeless man dies, uh, they man or woman, will, they'll usually just um, like they, there's like a I'm not sure how much time, but they do like apparently from what I've heard they make a pretty significant effort to find someone who knows them, mm-hmm. um, even if it's a friend or whatever. But at the end of the day, like they'll just cremate you, and then there's just like unmarked graves in some places like I, I mean back in the day they were called like pauper's fields mm-hmm. because if you didn't know the name they would just bury them in this like giant place that's probably is really bad like whatever there would be no reception like nobody's living there it's like mm-hmm. a shit piece of land and then they 
throw you there. Mm-mm. Um, and yeah, they just cream this it you. Is... And then I'm not really sure what happens after that. But yeah, there's like not really much else. There's no respect. This is terrible. Um, I know someone who her mom died in England and they literally had no money. And I think things are a little bit different in England. So the government paid for a funeral, but like because her whole family like decided to hate her, uh-huh. the funeral was attended by like a government worker and like the people that dug up the grave. Oh, God. You know, so at least in England, like, they'll pay for, like, a burial. Like, I didn't want to do cremation because that is completely against my beliefs and, Mm -hmm. you know, my culture. Like, Mm -hmm. it was just like, no. So I had to foot the bill. I was, I was fortunate. It's expensive as hell. Yeah. It's it's prime real estate. You're paying prime real estate. It was $13,000. And my mom had like maybe a quarter of that left over in her bank account and the rest had to come from me. Um, It was crazy. I think I was able to raise like a thousand dollars from the funeral. Um, And then the burial alone was $5,000. Just putting her like digging, right? (laughs) Like for them to dig and you put the grave and cover it <laughs> that was five thousand dollars and then to like put the, and i haven't even talked about the tombstone okay Ugh. the tombstone burns was are like burns are at like five hundred dollars sometimes or more depending on how fancy you want to get an urn i'm like you're keeping ashes yeah. this could be a fucking ashtray for all i care yeah and you're sitting here telling me i have to pay hundreds of dollars for a jar it is like it's crazy how expensive it is thank you for listening stay tuned for part two next week